Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Today is Friday, July 9th, 2021. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. COVID deaths worldwide have now passed 4 million Medical experts feel we may be seeing a second wave. We'll talk to a black medical professional at North Carolina A&T about that. President Joe Biden met with civil rights leaders on yesterday. We'll talk with one of them about that meeting. Also, I talked with Cedric Richmond, President Biden's senior advisor, about the Build Back, the Build Back Better agenda. We'll also talk about what they're doing to ensure black businesses are getting a part of these infrastructure dollars. In our Where's Our Money segment, we'll talk about a collaboration between Pepsi and the National Urban League that will provide black restaurants with the help that they need. Plus, an internal survey by Walmart found many high-ranking black employees wouldn't recommend working at the company. Hmm. Plus, a Louisiana teenager made history as the first black winner of Scripps National Spelling Bee. We'll tell you about Zalia Avant-Garde. Plus, today's Essence Throwbacks features Kirk Franklin, Queen Latifah, Remy Ma, MC Light, an epic performance by Teddy Riley and Dougie Fresh. It is time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. 
Four million people worldwide have died of COVID-19. Folks, uh, that is a devastating number. The cases, 186,618,097. Here in the United States, 34,677,918 reported cases and 622,235 deaths. Now, last week we told you about the Delta variant that is spreading rapidly and becoming the new dominant strain in the United States. Experts are saying another new variant, the Lambda variant, has already spread to 29 countries, including the United States, and is causing circulating heavily in South America. In North Africa, only 4% of Tunisia's citizens are vaccinated, which is twice the average across the continent. Countries are struggling with vaccination efforts due to a lack of accessibility. In Haiti, they're about to roll out their vaccination programs. Of course, they now have serious problems there because of the assassination of their president. Now, while other countries face the difficulties of the pandemic, the CDC is saying vaccinated teachers and students no longer need to wear masks inside school buildings. The CDC's new announcement follows a decline in COVID-19 hospitalizations across the nation and a national campaign making children as young as 12 years old eligible for the various vaccinations. Dr. Joseph Graves, Jr., Professor of Biological Science at North Carolina A&T, joins us right now. Doc, glad to have you here. When we talked to you last year about COVID-19, you said there are going to be different strains. That was, I think, was, it was March or April. We now are seeing March. that. The issue that we're now dealing with is the vaccinations that, were, that have been created, can they counter these new strains? Well, right now, the good news is that they can, but we don't know how long that's going to be true. So, so the problem that, that I've been consistently pointing out to as many people as I possibly can is that evolution works and the virus evolves. And currently, while the vaccines do protect against um, both infection and also, most importantly, hospitalization and death, there's no guarantee that that's going to continue to happen. And let me give you a really concrete example of this. In 1917, the influenza then acted very much like COVID does now in terms of mainly killing old people or people with pre-existing conditions. But after one year of evolution in the human species, by 1918, the 1918 variant killed across all age categories. And eventually the pandemic you know, lasted five years and killed over 100 million people worldwide. And so my fear is that we're just beginning to see what COVID can do. And so the, the idea that people are falsely presenting is that we're somehow out of the woods is absolutely incorrect. And, and, and the thing here is I mean, you have these states that rush to open up. You have folks uh, who are unwilling take the vaccine vaccination. You've got uh, conservatives uh, who say, look, I, I'd rather die uh, than take these vaccinations. You got people who are still acting a fool, upset with masks. And I'm sitting here going, y'all act like everything is all hunky dory and all good. It's not. We've had Dr. Ebony Hilton, who's been on the show. She said a friend of hers who was vaccinated actually uh, got COVID. Uh, other people have tested, uh, have talked about that as well, them having the vaccination and still getting COVID. So you still got to take precautions. Yeah, absolutely correct. I mean, in the best of cases, the vaccines prevent infection of the Delta variant um, at 79% Moderna and 64% for Pfizer. But that means that 21% and 36% of people 
will catch the Delta variant even if they're infected. All right, so, so, so hold on, hold on. I want you to repeat that. If, yeah, you, I mean, if you had the Moderna shot, I've had that one, what's the percentage? The percentage is, is 21% can still catch COVID even if you've had the Moderna shot. And that's basically one in five. Pfizer. And the Pfizer is 64%, which means 36% can catch COVID. And that's basically one third. J&J. I don't know what the numbers are for J&J yet, uh, so I can't speak to that. But it most unlike, I mean, I would say very likely it's in the same range as Moderna and Pfizer. And so the point here is that right now, even though the vaccines protect you from catching COVID, it's still preventing people from being seriously hospitalized or dying. But we don't know how long that's going to last. And, and here's the problem that I, I've consistently tried to, to warn people. The larger the number of people are who are not vaccinated, the larger the opportunity is for the virus to evolve more transmissible and more dangerous strains. And that's why when I spoke with you back in March of 2020, I argued that it was really important for us to drive down the number of people infected not just in the United States, but worldwide. There needs to be an international effort to get vaccines out and to bring down the number of people infected as soon as possible. If we fail to do this, and unfortunately we are failing to do this, we are going to see more and more and more dangerous strains. And so far we haven't seen a 1918 influenza that kills everybody, but I hate to say it, and I, and, and I hate it when I'm right, but if it continues on this path, I will say we will definitely see a more dangerous variant coming along in the not too distant future. And this is also why, uh, you know, we've made this point uh, that you've got to have the federal government putting the resources and, and I keep saying it, putting it in black owned media, putting it in other forms to communicate to people the right information. And it doesn't help when you have these assholes at Fox News and OAN and Newsmax who are constantly out here fighting vaccinations, fighting masks, saying it's time to stop wearing masks on buses and trains uh, and airplanes. And I'm like, are you idiot? Do you fools realize what's actually going on? Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right, um, Roland, because quite frankly, you know, reports have demonstrated that if the federal government had acted in a concerted manner um, in January of 2020, we could have prevented now some 500,000 deaths or close to 500,000 deaths. So I, I lay all those deaths at, at the doorstep of Donald Trump and the people in the Republican Party and in the right-wing conservative media that enabled his crazy messages to go to the public. These people are, are irresponsibly killing people that did not have to die. So somebody's listening to us right now, African-Americans listening, and they're like, hey, doc, I don't care. I'm just not going to take this vac vaccine. Basically, what you're doing is you're playing Russian roulette with your, wife, with your life. The reality is you can very well die. If you take the vaccine, you, what you're saying is, even if you get the Delta, uh, the Delta strain, 
you're not going to be as in bad of a shape as folks who do not have a vaccine. Correct. Vaccination will still save lives with the Delta variant. And, and quite frankly, you know, this comes down to not just a question of saving your own life, but saving the lives of the people you love. Um, and, and, I, and I have to believe that people do, still do love other people besides themselves. And so, you know, the longer we go with people not vaccinated, the more we are essentially using the word Russian roulette or, or rolling the dice towards an apocalyptic pandemic. Now, again, I, I characterize COVID right now as a level three. But this non-vaccination, this anti-vaccine campaign is driving us in the direction of a level four and a level five. And, and we have an opportunity now to stop this. And if we don't, future generations are going to look at this foolishness, and that's if we have future generations, which are not at all guaranteed if we keep this nonsense up. But they're going to look back at the foolishness of this generation, and we will be held account. Mm. Dr. Joseph Graves, professor of biological sciences at North Carolina A&T University. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland. All right, I want to bring in my panel. Michael Imhotep hosts the African History Network show. Brittany Lee Lewis, political analyst. Candace Kelly, justice correspondent, uh, BNC. Um, I'm going to start with you, uh, Brit Brittany. I, I, it, it, is, it is utterly illogical. It is really illogical when you listen to these fools whine and complain and yell when you listen to these nutcases on Fox News when they themselves have been vaccinated when their building is still shut down, when Rupert Murdoch, who owns the network, uh, has been vaccinated, was one of the early people. Th they are so sick and demented because they are playing to their idiotic base and they're fighting this whole issue. It's just dumb. It's insane to me. Um, you know, when I think about the fact that there are folks, you know, in other countries, too, who would just die to um, not only get a vaccine, but to get our vaccines, right? And that the choices that we're making, and I thought Dr. Graves said it so pointedly, is that it's not just, even if you decide that you don't want to protect yourself, right, and you are playing Russian roulette with your own life, um, you, are, you are also playing Russian roulette with someone who's pregnant that hasn't gotten the shot, with someone who is immunocompromised that has not gotten the shot, with young children who are at risk because they are not of age to get the vaccine yet. So, you know, I just wish more folks would take this seriously, not only for themselves, but for so many other people around them, because we're losing lives that just don't have to be lost. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about this misinformation campaign. I know I've heard so many people say, oh, I don't need to get it. What's the point of getting the vaccine if I can still get COVID? As if, like, the, the purpose of the vaccine is to ensure that people don't die. People are not having, you know, the hospitals are not being over flooded with bodies from being sick. And then, of course, the concept of herd immunity. So it's it's really unfortunate. And again, we're talking about people's lives here. I don't think, look, they don't care about the lives. It's all about, uh, it's all about uh, frankly, politics. I mean, Candace, you have uh, this idiot Charlie Kirk with Turning Point USA uh, going on and on and on, trying to launch this anti-vax campaign when the co-founder of his own organization the one who set him up for all the money he's making, that fool died last year of COVID. <laughs> you know, the hypocrisy is really stunning. When we think about, first of all, these media organizations that you talked about, 
and the doctor talked about, it's their responsibility right now actually to let people know that soon and very soon, you will probably be mandated to wear those masks. Soon and very soon, you may not want to give your 12-year-old uh, and under a shot, but that's coming. When we look at the UK and that variant, and how 90% of those people who are affected have been those people who have been between 9 and 12 predominantly. So there are a lot of things that are coming down the pike that the media is just missing out on and informing people. And as you said, people close to home in every circle, no matter what circle you are, you can be someone who is crying that the vaccine is no good and that people right in your circle this is of dying, this is a continued part of the lie. This all stems from Trump, the Republicans, and that whole era that should be done soon, but it is not. It is alive and well. And, and people just need to be warned and understand that this thing is going to morph. We've seen it morph already in terms of this COVID. We've seen it morph, and it's going to morph again, like the doctor said. And people just are, I don't understand why they don't understand that it's coming, because we've seen variations already, and the numbers are only going up, which is why we're at 600,000 people who have died in the United States of America of this. So the warning is out there, but it's up to people for them to listen. And it's up to the media to do their job to inform people that it's coming, it's going to change, and, and how we're comfortable now at restaurants and traveling internationally, all that's going to change very swiftly. We know it's coming. We're getting the warnings. We're just not paying attention for some reason. And, Michael, to the black people who are watching us, stop listening to these idiotic entertainers who don't know jack about science. Well, yeah, uh, brother, I, I tell people, I tell my listeners, get uh, medical advice from medical professionals. Don't listen to these simple Simon ass people in social media or these entertainers. A lot of these same people back in February and March of 2020 were saying black people couldn't get coronavirus. How'd that work out for you? But even even more importantly than that, when we when we look at the propaganda that Fox News is pushing and Rupert Murdoch, not only did Rupert Murdoch get vaccinated, but Donald Trump got vaccinated. Donald Trump and Melania Trump got vaccinated before they left the White House, but they did it in private. So you have Trump supporters who are fighting vaccination. Now, I'm not saying they should get vaccinated. I'm saying seek out medical advice, okay? But here's the thing. A lot of this mask aversion, Trump, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the GOP and uh, Fox News, OAN, and these, this, this right-wing conservative media, they have taken the mask aversion and they have turned this into an attack on critical race theory and then what they have done is, is infiltrated local school boards. And, and um, uh, Scruffy Two Shirts, uh, Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon on his podcast said the way to political power now is gaining positions in your local school boards. So this is all a coordinated effort. Yep. Okay? And so this is really what we have to understand. But get medical advice for medical professionals. And, you know, I'm like the long range. I don't take my mask off. I'm still wearing my mask. I don't, I don't care what the CDC says. I just don't have it on now because I'm on your show. But other than that, I, I still wear my mask. So we, we have to protect ourselves. And lastly, the, the, the great pandemic in 1918, 675,000 Americans died, okay, between 1918, 1919, and early 1920. 675,000 died. We're at 600,000 right now with coronavirus. Uh, 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 um, uh, Americans dying. So we have to be very careful. Uh, absolutely. And so, uh, folks, I'm telling you right now, if you're one of these people who, who believes in not getting vaccinated, I'm sorry, you're crazy. You're playing, you're playing. Look, there's no flip side to death. Hmm. <laughs> 
once <laughs> once you're gone, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> that's it. You're not Lazarus. Jesus is not going to breathe uh, uh, breathe life back into your body. That ain't happening. And so you better want to live as long as you possibly can and not play these games. And so and also, if you're having events, y'all better sit here and have social distancing. You better mask the hell up. You better sit here and tell people to wash their hands. Uh, but people are walking around out of here acting like everything is just all great and, it's no, and, and, and assuming everyone else uh, is vaccinated, which is which was part of the problem when they just opened everything up uh, because people, mm -hmm. people began to assume, and I'm telling you right now, don't sit here and play games with your life and then you can be like these, the rest of these people I keep seeing these stories who are going, oh my, like there was some conservative who believed that crap, then all of a sudden started whining and crying because they almost died. Yeah, that's what happens when you listen to dumbass Tucker Carlson and dumbass mm -hmm. Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and those idiots on Fox and Friends. Now, hey, white America, if y'all want to kill y'all <laughs> by listening to Fox News, fine. Go on by yourself, kill yourself, but don't come near us black people, okay? And Roland, we know when we look at the map for places that are not vaccinated and for those people who have voted for Trump, you put them over one another, it, it equals up that if they're not vaccinated, then they probably voted for Trump. You look at the map, numbers almost are equal to the numbers of people who are not vaccinated and voted for Trump. We know where the message is coming from. Yeah, uh, Charles McLaughlin on YouTube says, mask it or casket? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a bumper sticker right there. It. I'm just saying, <laughs> y'all can play games, but mm -hmm. take the hell away from me. All right, folks, right. yesterday, President Biden met with uh, civil rights groups. Uh, and, of course, while he was doing that, Vice President Kamala Harris was visiting Howard University talking about how uh, voting uh, suppression is happening all across this country. The Democrats also, also announced they're going to spend $25 million bucks uh, to combat Republicans on voting requirements. Uh, that seemed to upset Georgia Governor Brian Kemp during an interview on Fox News. Kemp defended the state's, uh, yes, voter suppression laws by responding directly to Vice President Kamala Harris. Here's this weasel. Hey, we got to fight like hell. That's what I've been telling people. We have the truth on our side. Now the vice president's lying like the president has been about Georgia's law. Uh, we actually add the amount of days that people can vote early on the weekends in the state of Georgia. We've got many more opportunities for people to vote early than President Biden's own state of Delaware and a lot of other states where the Democrats are in control. Uh, they're just not being truthful to people. And listen, this is just part of their playbook. Uh, their legislation failed at Congress to have a federal takeover of, of elections, which is unconstitutional. Now they have the Department of Justice when we have, you know, violent crime, killings in major cities all over the country, a crisis at the border. And the fight they're picking is suing us over our Elections Integrity Act. And they realize now, after the Arizona ruling, that's not going to work. So now they're moving to the Democratic Party at the national level, trying to spend $25 million to cancel us. But my message is, look, we're going to stand up and fight. We have the truth on our side. But you need to be aware. They're going to try to cancel you. They're going to try to boycott your business, move your ball game, just like they did the All-Star game in Georgia. They're going to come after your way of life. This isn't a fight just in Georgia. This is a nationwide fight. It is one worth fighting, and that is what I'm going to continue to do. 
And that was a whole bunch of lying right there by Brian Kemp. We all know that's a trash bill. He knows it. We know it. And so it's simple as that. Joining me now is Melanie Campbell, President and CEO, National Coalition on Black Participation. Dr. Janetta Cole, National Chair of the National Council of Negro Women. Both of them were at the meeting yesterday with President Biden. Uh, that meeting uh, went a little longer than expected. Uh, Dr. Cole, uh, how committed is this president uh, to going around the country speaking on the issue of voter suppression and voting laws. My pleasure to respond to you, Professor Brother Roland Martin. <laughs> Indeed, yesterday, the legacy civil rights organizations were convened by the president and the vice president of our country. We expected to be in the Roosevelt Room for one hour. It was easily an hour and 30, maybe 40 minutes. What we were able to communicate to our top political leaders is that in the black communities where we are invested large, where we work, where we live, Enough is enough. Voter suppression, which is being run in cynical, but unfortunately effective ways by the Republican Party, and this is not a by, this is not a, excuse me, not a partisan issue. This is the fact. This sounds like, feels like, smells like, the kind of voter suppression that I experienced growing up in the Jim Crow South. Yes, Jim Crow got all dressed up, cleaned up in a nice three-piece suit while she's on a St. John. But this is the same voter suppression that has haunted Black people almost since we got here. In the old days, I'll tell you what happened when you decided to vote in your interest, when you decided that indeed it is your right to vote. Do you know in some situations, people were literally lynched. That's what happened when black people tried to vote. Or there were those silly games like, you know, come over here and read this passage of the Constitution and interpret it for me in five minutes. Here's a bowl of, I don't know what it is, marbles. Tell me before you go in to vote how many marbles are in that bowl. And so the eight civil rights legacy organizations have said enough is enough. And I am beyond grateful for the joy and the privilege of working with my sister leader, Melanie Campbell, as black women move into a week of action. Melanie, um, we had Cliff Albright on yesterday with Black Voters Matter, the co-founder, and, and he says uh, this administration has to do more. 
He said the president has to step up and do more. What did he commit to do? Give a shout out to being on here with uh, our, our doctor leader, Dr. Janetta Cole. Um, um, and it's an honor to always uh, have this opportunity to be with her and be, in, be out here uh, fighting the fight for, for and with our people. Um, yesterday, what he, what he really committed to doing, I, if I say commitment, is really uh, to uh, use that bullet pulpit more. I think that I think he heard us. That was a very we were very focused around that, but also looking at what else they what else can they do? Can they do more when it comes to uh, the uh, court system? Right now, we don't think so after what happened last week with the um, uh, uh, Supreme Court decision that has really impacted adversely the uh, Section Two of the uh, Voting Rights Act. But uh, also, what can they do? Um, when it comes to executive action and 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 get out here and and show the sense of urgency uh presidents go out and they sell what they want what they need to sell if they can't get the congress to move so both president biden as well as uh, uh vice president uh harris uh, i think they heard that i think part of what uh, i can't say uh with 100% but i think uh what a lot of what we had to say with him um maybe have had an impact on him being able to make this speech on Tuesday and use that bully pulpit because it's a powerful tool to use and you can do some great things from that pulpit from that um, uh, I said pulpit excuse me but from that bully pulpit but um, also some really horrific things that we know we have continued to live through so I think that was very, very important and the sense of urgency I think we left there with them uh, if it wasn't there I think it's it's more there now Dr. Cole, um, so so what is next? I mean, what what should the public be doing? What should the folks watching and the people who are members of these various organizations? What the public should be doing is listening carefully to leaders in the eight legacy organizations as we make the call for action. I'm going to turn it back to my sister leader, Melanie, to talk more specifically. But let me just say from my perspective, again, growing up in the Jim Crow South, everything that we have gained, we have gained as a result of action. And so what you will see in the coming days throughout the summer will be action in defense of our right to vote, which is at the center of American democracy. We're not just using words loosely. We're talking about a democracy under assault. That is the correct description when people, based on the color of their skin, are being systematically prevented from voting. Sister Mel, if the brother professor is willing, <laughs> maybe you would tell us more specifically what we've and, got planned. And, 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 and I want to make sure I'm clear. Uh, it, it's not that we're saying it's time to act. It's not, it's time to keep acting. Uh, organizers going on. Cliff and Latasha, I was out there with them on that Freedom uh, Ride a couple of weeks ago. So 
Uh, so it's about continuing to, to put the, to, the street heat out here and to, to, to make sure that we set the alarm bells for our community and others to know that this democracy, as Dr. Cole said, is under, under attack. And our vote, when it comes to the reality of what we're up against, if we don't see federal voting rights um, enacted in this country by August, quite frankly, Roland, because of the redistricting, then the idea of people say autocracy versus democracy, it will be that with what we've seen happen already with these 48 states in your home state of Texas, the fight is, is on down there, right? But at the end of the day, one of the things that's really important is that we know that we, we can't go to the court, the system, the, the Supreme Court, just let us know where they, where they stand. We have to have legislation, and we have to have it now, because if the redistricting is done uh, with the same um, attacks that are on our vote with voter suppression laws, we're going to see the same problem, not just from the top when it comes to the Congress, all the way down to the school board. So that's one. So next week, what we're doing uh, with Dr. Cole and I and others, uh, Black Voters Matter, Fair, Fair Fight Action, Power Rising, Black Women, we came together, uh, A. Philip Randolph Institute, AFL, Democracy Initiative, and many others, uh, Urban League and others, we're coming together for black, uh, the Black Women and Allies Week of Action, uh, and that will culminate on Thursday on Capitol Hill. Um, so we're going to use social media. Uh, we're going to have a call-in day asking people to, to uh, Roland, we need your help. Uh, uh, not putting you on the spot, but we do need your help to help us get that word out. We want to, the Senate will be back. Uh, the House won't be in, but the Senate. What we're saying is we have to be in the states every time they go home, we have to be out there making sure that they feel us. When they come back on Capitol Hill, we have to, uh, they have to feel the presence, and we have to keep this on the front burner. So we're having this call to action starting on, on Monday with a, with a social media day to, get to, to start getting the word out and folks to understand. We're going to have a, a, a town hall virtually, and then we're going to have a day of action call in. We want to break the switchboard, calling and telling those folks we want to see them pass the, uh, the uh, For the People Act uh, uh, post-haste. And then on Thursday, we're going on Capitol Hill, and we're going to have a day of action. We're going to attempt to meet with uh, senators. Uh, we're going to have some direct action on other things, a rally, and really show our presence uh, for that week. And then uh, I know that uh, the following week, uh, day is going to be um, uh, either the leadership conference is having something because uh, it'll be a one-year anniversary from the passing of John Lewis. So we're going to get in some good trouble, if you will, uh, in the name of Congress, uh, of our brother, the late Congressman John Lewis. And we have to keep the pressure on. We have to... Uh, so the meeting that we had, the mobilizations that have already been had, and we're trying to c come together um, um, across uh, generations, if you will. We have Tamika Mallory and others, uh, Bernice King and others. It's just trying to get all of us together um, to, one, support each other's mobilization. So the whole idea of a summer of action is not one group, but it's all of us supporting each other and coming up with ways to keep the pressure on. And minimally, if they don't do right, our people will be mobilized uh, and understand uh, what's at stake. And, when, and, and what they're doing to try to impact us will roll right on over and impact others. Every time they try to do something to hurt us, we know historically it will hurt them. But unfortunately, it will hurt us more. But the issue here, uh, Dr. Cole, is simple. 
Um, there are two senators who've made it clear that they are not going to end the filibuster. And so the question is, this pressure, is it going to be targeting Cinema and Joe Manchin? Christian Cinema of Arizona, Joe Manchin of West Virginia. I mean, the arguments that Melanie laid out, we have made, we have heard, numerous people have said it, but the reality is this here. There are two Democratic senators who are refusing to end the filibuster. That's why the For the People Act and the Voting Rights Act has not been passed. All of that hoopla about Joe Manchin having a Voting Rights Act compromise, that died when they couldn't break the filibuster. He keeps hollering bipartisanship. She keeps saying bipartisanship. They can't find 10 Republicans. So, all right, what's, what now? You're so right. Let's just use simple arithmetic. We don't even have to call it mathematics. We need every Democrat, I mean every, to stand up and speak out and vote in the interests of the people. We know that historically, this filibuster has been used to stop issues being passed acts being passed that are in the interest of the people. And so I'm not going to sit here, Brother Professor Rowland, and act as if this is just a little challenge. You know, we can, we can do the arithmetic and, and we can convince some more, some more Democrats and maybe even a few Republicans. This is a serious challenge. And one of the things that I liked so much about our time yesterday with the president and the vice president of our country is that they had a spirit of realism, not optimism. Because when you do the simple math, it's hard to call it optimism. But realism says that there are still ways that we can get legislative action, because if we can't, then we have to ask, what happened to our democracy? Melanie, final comment. Um, I would say, Roland, one of the things that we uh, continue to, to speak out uh, about is uh, reform, reforming the filibuster. That that we, we put that out there, and we will. That's part of the message too. I mean, and we. It's, it's not about. Uh, I, I don't know that we can convince ten Republicans. I, I you know, participated in these meetings. First of all, the answer is no. Okay, I mean, I'm sorry. The answer is no. That's fine. But I can tell you this, brother. You know it. We're not going to sit on the sidelines. We got to keep pushing and fighting. I'm, you know, it's like that's the bottom line. But the but 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 but, but, but on the fight. By did, pressure. But on by the fight, pressure. did y'all but did y'all press President Biden to put more pressure on cinema and mansion? Okay, of, of course we did, Roland. Anybody that needs to be put pressure on, whether it's Democrat or Republican, it's we, we, we get that, right? So 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 as as I stated at the beginning, we pushed, we put it out there, we put we we, talk, we told him they need to use the bully pulpit. He is the head of the Democratic Party. So those two people are Democrats. So put the pressure on your friends and your foes. But also, we, I don't think we can just do it through the normal process of just sausage making, which is why it's important that we all do what we can to push and get the people 
uh, we need a movement about this. We need a real movement that 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 will take place in this country because at the end of the day, whatever we do, we won't get anything. We could get something short term if we're able to get some legis other kinds of legislation passed. But if we don't have the ability in 2022 to pick the candidates of choice, we are in trouble for a decade and longer because some of us have lived long enough to know that, right? So we know it's a it's a it's a uphill battle, and that's why it's like we need all hands on deck, and we got to support each other, and we got to raise the hell that needs to be raised uh, with our friends and our foes. Dr. Janetta B. Cole, Melinda Campbell, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Roland. All right, y'all take care. Uh, Michael, I'll start with you. Here's the deal. I, I need to see. I need to see Biden putting pressure on cinema in Manchin. He's not. He's not. Oh, when he spoke bro. in Tulsa, he said two senators. He wouldn't even name them. We knew he was talking about, but he wouldn't name them. And so here's the dilemma. That here's the dilemma that these legacy civil rights organizations are going to have, and Cliff. And Latasha with Black Voters Matter have talked about it. You're going to come back to black folks and ask for more? What argument, what argument, what argument can be made that you got control of the House, you got control of the Senate, you control the White House, and you still can't get a, can't get a voting bill passed? Uh, Roland, um... I'm going to try to be as respectful as I can. Um, I, I saw press conferences yesterday. I saw interviews with people that were in the meeting. And I thought, I know I'm 50, and I think my hearing is going out. So I thought I ain't hear what I heard. But uh, I got earbuds on right now. Listen to, the, listen to them. So I, I, I respect the sisters. Uh, I, I think we need less love vote and more. I'm a start slavery vote. Uh, first of all, I ain't hear anything about putting pressure on corporations that help finance cinema and, and mansion, as well as the GOP. Okay, dude, this is, as, as I said, like, weeks ago, dude, we have to have an all-out 50-state economic guerrilla warfare uh, 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 push on this, man. This is serious. These people, the, the GOP, they're not playing. They're trying to take us not back to 1865. They're trying to take us back to 1890, the Mississippi State Constitution. That Institute of Poll Taxes and Literacy Test that Janetta B. Cole was talking about, that goes back to Mississippi and other southern states started following. FEC.gov, brother, ProPublica, back in, I think, 2016, 2018, when Cindy Hyde-Smith was uh, running for uh, the Senate seat in Mississippi, ProPublica put out the information from the FEC.gov FEC that talked about the uh, uh, Republicans who were being funded by corporations. Dude, that's public knowledge. Federal Elections Commission. We gotta have you, we have to expose stuff like that, but also on cinema and, and Joe Manchin. Who are the corporations who are financing them? Notice how before today, now we know Toyota came out today and said they're not gonna give any more money to uh Republicans who No uh, no 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 no. They announced they, they had stopped yeah. funding those Stop funding. Uh, who would not certify the election. Then they quietly right. begin to give money back. It wasn't until the Lincoln Project and other groups publicly right. outed them where they were like, okay, yeah, we're not going to give any money. But all of those companies who, right. were, who were making all of those cute public, public press, dropping press releases at the January right. 6th, 
quietly have gone back to giving money. Exactly. No, but I'm talking about the news that came out today about Toyota. Okay, that's what that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. D dude, um, we're speaking the wrong language to, to these people. It ain't nothing that... Um, one of the things that uh, uh, Reverend William Barber is doing, and see, we got to expand this beyond just African-Americans. This is yep. people who don't vote for Democrats. This is young white people, yep. white college students. This is Latinos. This ain't just a black thing. Dude, these, these people are... Look, man, we need a Bumpy Johnson of politics to take these people's heads <laughs> off. Politically, not figuratively. Not literally. Politically. They, we're not doing anything that's going to scare them. This is, this is what I'm saying. That's so the other thing is we have to educate the masses. I was I was speaking in Atlanta for the Juneteenth Festival. I did two presentations. I'm speaking to, uh, I talked to 50 people, asking questions. How many votes does it take to get a bill passed in the House of Representatives? Everybody wants reparations, but nine out of 10 people can't tell you how to realistically get reparations. Okay? So we have to, under, uh, and, and lastly, I, I'll wrap up with this, brother, because this ain't my show, this is yours. Um, June, uh, June 1941. Executive Order 8802, President Franklin Roosevelt, which desegregated military jobs in the Department of Defense. He didn't do that out of the kindness of his own heart. He did, he did that because Franklin, because um, A. Philip Randolph, president of the Brotherhood of Sleeper Car Porters, put his foot up his ass and threatened to put 100,000 African-Americans marching on Washington to embarrass Roosevelt after we voted for Roosevelt. See, that, see that's pressure. This, ain't, this stuff here, man, they ain't scared of none of this stuff. The other thing is one of the reasons why I think they're not talking about corporations. Unfortunately, you know, I understand, you know, they get donations from corporations. But the hell with that, man. Look, we need more. We need less love, but more. I'm going to stop. The thing here, uh, the thing here um, Brittany, when you begin to, um, uh, to look at in terms of what's happening, uh, again, we know exactly why the For the People Act hasn't been passed. We know who the blocks are. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, President Biden is going to have to do more. What I mean by more? Easy. President Biden needs to go to Arizona and, yes, deliver a real hard-hitting speech on the issue of voting rights after the Supreme Court decision, which was the Arizona case. He needs to not be afraid of Joe Manchin and go to West Virginia and look them broke-ass white folks in West Virginia in the eye and say, y'all are also being screwed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, Roland. Um, so many important points have been made. First and foremost, uh, Cinema and Manchin are full of it. And I think Michael is also absolutely correct. We have to hold them and their supporters, including those corporations, accountable. And we know that this whole, that, that they're hiding behind this notion of bipartisanship, but we know bipartisanship ain't a thing. Republicans don't give a damn about bipartisanship. Democrats need to grow a backbone, including Joe Biden, like you said, and get his hands really wet um, to do something about this. Because this isn't just affecting black folks. This is affecting everyone. Like you said, it's the poor white folks in Arizona. It's our Native American brothers and sisters. You know, I'm thinking about the folks who are living on reservations and tribal communities, which are located up to 20 miles from the assigned polling places, um, you know, where, where they're, they're going to get hit hard. Everyone there doesn't have transportation or residential mail service. Um, you know, the things that are being put
put forth are are unfortunate. They're they're going to hit our democracy hard, and it's going to literally affect all of us. And we don't have a lot of time. So you're you're absolutely right, Roland. Uh, Biden needs to do way more, and especially in Arizona. Uh, Candace, uh, it's real easy to tell civil rights groups, to tell black voters better, to tell Until Freedom and others, hey, we need you to do more. Mm, no, I need y'all to do more. And, and the point that Michael make, I actually, I said that several years ago during a CBC forum uh, where Sherilyn Eiffel was on the panel, uh, NLACP Legal Defense Fund, uh, Kristen Clark, then with, with the uh, Lawyers Committee, uh, the Secretary of State of California, I said to all of them, I said, y'all got to talk to the white folks too. Mm, Young exactly. white voters need to understand they're targeting you. Mm -hmm. Listen, let's, let's go back to George Floyd, right? When we think about the young white people who hit the streets in addition to the black people in order to have this groundswell of a movement that we never thought would happen in terms of police officers turning in the courtroom against each other, that's what we're talking about now. We have to have that same hope and faith that we did when people hit the streets like that. Like Melanie said, we have to start a movement, a movement that's just as important as, as the movements that we've seen for this past year, because the Supreme Court has already made it very hard for us to fight voter suppression. So we have to go to the states, like you said. Joe Biden has to go to regular, basic politics. Go to the person, speak with them, sit with them, go to their state, and ask them and inform them about things that they might be wrong about. That's really what politics is. Just talking with people, negotiating, figuring out where we're going to have a meeting on the minds if you're far too left and I'm far too right. So you, you are right. There, there are some solutions, but today I'm not sure if we heard uh, that that was what came out of the meeting. Also, where is this $25 million going? What exactly is it going to do that, that Kamala Harris talked about in terms of uh, informing people, educating people, and making sure that voters' rights are not suppressed? What's going to happen with that money? That could help start this groundswell of a movement that Melanie was talking about that we need to shed light to bring attention to these facts, to let them know that just as important as it was for you to get on the streets and march in terms of George Floyd and justice in the uh, criminal justice system, it's just as important when we talk about voting rights. You know, you talked about the Supreme Court case. A couple of people have talked about it on this um, panel. And I'm going to quote Justice Elena Kagan in her dissent in that 6-3 uh, decision having to do with the Supreme Court and, and Section 2 um, of the Voting Rights Act. You know, it's good that we have the Voting Rights Act on one hand, but it's bad that we still have to have it and have to go ahead and, 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 and validate it again because we just haven't reached... Oh, Candace, uh, she froze. All right, Can All right Candace froze there. So uh, let's uh, try to get her back. Uh, let's, uh, speaking of back, uh, President Joe Biden's Build Back Better uh, plan is his three-part agenda uh, to revitalize the country's economy. It includes three plans. Uh, they are the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, the American Jobs Plan, and the American Families Plan. Earlier today, I talked with Cedric Richmond, the senior advisor for President Joe Biden, with regards to the plan and also what are they doing to ensure black businesses are benefiting from these contracts. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, President uh, Joe Biden's uh, agenda in terms of uh, Build Back Better agenda. Um, exactly where does it stand specifically? Uh, how has this been helpful to black folks? Well, 
I'm going to go back, Roland, but I'll try to do it very quickly. It was sure. a day that we laid out the Build Back Better plan, and that was before the election, before inauguration. But we knew that in order to build back better, one, we would have to get the pandemic under control, invest in people's lives, and give them some direct payments and help immediately to get us to a point where we can invest in infrastructure and then human infrastructure. So what we did was we passed the American Rescue Plan, $1.9 trillion. In it, it had 1,400 direct payments for about 165 or 68 million Americans, at least 1,400. It had the extended child tax credit in there enhanced, which will reduce black poverty this year for children by 50%. It will reduce black poverty overall by about 38% this year, along with uh, an enhanced earned income tax credit. And in the American Rescue Plan, we put five to $6 billion in there to help farmers and pay off their loans of farmers who have been uh, historically discriminated against. And that's specifically for those black farmers. So we did the American Rescue Plan. Now we came back with the American Jobs Plan, which is the infrastructure plan. We're gonna get 10 million homes that have lead service pipes delivering lead to them we're going to eliminate those. The 400,000 schools with lead pipes uh, delivering water. We're gonna make sure we do that because uh, too many of those people who are on the other side of those service lines are black and brown. And we know that uh, water with a high lead content leads to uh, issues and problems. The other thing Roland I'd say is that we did the biggest financial investment in HBCUs in this country's history. We did $4.2 billion for HBCUs, $1.6 billion in capital finance, a loan forgiveness or debt forgiveness, which they had been asking for and desperately needed. And then another $2.6 billion to help them uh, through the hard times. And so we, we know that the Black community is uh, disproportionately taking the health pandemic uh, effects of it and uh, the economic. And so we're going to cap it off by leaving the American Jobs Plan and then going to the American Families Plan, which combined the American Families Plan with those things that were left out of the Jobs Plan. And that's where we get our Build Back Better plan from. And that's going to invest in another two years of free education. Uh, three and four year olds will be in school, uh, not uh, daycare. We're gonna make that child tax credit that we did for one year. We're gonna make it, uh, we're gonna extend it out uh, along with the enhanced earned income tax credit. And in that child tax credit, 95% of the children in this country, their families will get a tax break because of the legislation we passed. And families with children will start seeing checks come on July 15th, uh, every month to the end of the year, because we don't think people should wait to the end of the year. We think they should get it every month to help them while uh, they're raising children. So we think it's a comprehensive plan. And also in the family's plan, you have paid, uh, paid family leave. You have money for uh, elder care in our care economy so our seniors can stay at home as opposed to having to be uh, somewhere else. We're going to raise the pay of those people who work in the care economy, which are disproportionately black and brown and female. And we're going to invest in those Title I schools that we talk about that are 
uh, primarily schools in poor uh, districts uh, so that they have a smaller income base. And we don't think we should cheat the children because of where they live. And so we're going to do that. So it's a, it's a robust uh, agenda, Roland. And I didn't even talk about all the things we did in terms of not contracting with private prisons, changing mm -hmm. uh, the guidance to uh, federal prosecutors saying, do not go in there and just ask for the toughest sentence that you can, or longest sentence, make sure that it makes sense. Or the fact that our Justice Department is suing police departments across this country for pattern and practice violations and unconstitutional policing. We're charging officers like we did in the Ahmad Aubrey case and uh, what we did in uh, the George Floyd case. And then we're also suing to fight uh, discriminatory voting rights uh, actions that uh, disproportionately hurt black and brown people. So we have a big agenda. We're not saying we're done, but what we're saying is we're intentional about it. And by the way, and I'll start with this, we nominated four black women to the federal courts of appeals. There's been no president in the history of this country that has nominated more than four African-American women, women to the Court of Appeals. We've gotten two confirmed. And by the way, we're only on day 107. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you talked about, the rebuilding part, and you know, I, I, am, I talk a lot on my show about black, black businesses, contracting, things along those lines. A lot of this money is going to states. Um, uh, how, how do you ensure that uh, black contractors, black engineers, black architects, African-Americans who are owning these firms are participating in this and the conversation you're having with these trade unions and others, because we're, we're talking about, you know, again, this infrastructure bill, a trillion dollars, all, all of this building, how do we ensure that African-American businesses are participating in this on the federal level? Well, one, we set the tone. And just look at what we did with federal procurement uh, not too long ago. Uh, it used to be a 10% goal. We're moving it to 15%. And what that amounts to is $100 billion over five years. But the other thing, I think it all starts at the top. And you have a president that's not afraid to say uh, minority contracting or uh, racial equity or economic uh, equity. And he wants to make sure that black and brown people are participating. So if you look at what we did with the American Rescue Plan, we didn't send all the money to the governors. We sent a lot of money directly to mayors and then gave them the leeway that they could spend some of that money on summer jobs programs, community violence intervention, uh, recreation, after school programs, things that really invest in our communities. And so when you think of infrastructure, it'll be done with that same mindset and making sure that uh, minority business could participate, making sure they have the access to capital to do the contracts, make sure that they have the bonding. But more than anything, make sure it is our expectation and uh, desire for uh, small black and brown businesses to participate. And, 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 and as, a, as a part of that, we would talk about, you know, obviously uh, uh, going from agency to agency, um, we know one of the things that happened um, before, typically on the Democratic presidents, you have an unbundling of contracts uh, under Trump. They bundled them back, so you really have these large contracts. You know, it was Maynard Jackson uh, who showed 
uh, how by unbundling those contracts, breaking those primes into smaller contracts allows for uh, Black-owned businesses to compete. Is that also happening? Is that, is that the edict that has, that has gone down uh, to, the, to different agencies? Yeah, that's our goal. And I think the president actually talked about that either in a speech or executive order. And then you have Ambassador Rice, who's uh, running our whole of government racial equity uh, department, uh, so to say, our uh, task force. And she's making real strides there. And we're going to make sure that we break down all those barriers. Yeah, you bundle a whole bunch of contracts. Small Black businesses can't float those payrolls for all that time, nor get the bonding. And so that's been a way that people utilize uh, just the procurement uh, requirements and the size and scope of contracts to uh, keep people out, and especially small uh, Black and brown businesses. And what Maynard was able to do uh, still shows today. If you look at Herman J. Russell uh, Construction Company, which is one of the largest African-American in the country, it was because of that airport job. And so uh, we get it, we know it, and we're pushing SBA to make sure that they are monitoring, that they are desegregating data, and that they are uh, making sure that they're investing in companies so companies can get these contracts and be successful with them. Uh, and we just saw there was an announcement that uh, Wells Fargo, I believe, they're getting uh, they're stopping their lines of credit, uh, and that's one of the issues as well. And so uh, for for SBA, um, anything when it comes to insuring uh, capital, because look, a lot of you, you as you know, a lot of black businesses can float uh, their companies for 30, 60, 90 days, waiting on government uh, contracts to pay. Sometimes 180. Uh, and so that's also uh, is that also a part of uh, that the responsibility or the edict coming down from the White House uh, to the agencies? Yeah, and I'll give President Obama a lot of credit. Uh, President Obama very quickly when he was in office said that he would like to get to almost, I think it was a 60-day or 30-day uh, payment. And uh, that would be uh, our goal, too. We think it's doable, but we think it's important, especially when you start talking about the size of contracts that are labor-intensive, uh, floating that payroll, the matching taxes that go with it, all of those things add up to a lot of stress on small businesses. So what we also, uh, we're also doing, Roland, is making sure that we give the SBA more money, uh, billions of more dollars, and I think our plan is to give them either 25 or $35 billion more so that they can uh, do exactly what we need them to do to help uh, small, disadvantaged Black and brown businesses grow. All right, then. Uh, well, uh, we certainly uh, appreciate the update uh, and appreciate future updates because, uh, you know, the, you know we, we're, we're going to stay on top of this, pushing this whole issue, not just in the private sector with these publicly traded companies as well, uh, with our where's, our where's Our Money segment, but really on the federal side as well, because that's the only way I think we're going to be able uh, to put a dent uh, in, in decreasing this wealth gap if we, if we expand, build capacity for our Black-owned businesses. Roland, let me just thank you for what you're doing. I think what's really important is so uh, is how you communicate to people and how you hold people accountable. Look, we don't mind passing that Janet Jackson test of what have you done for me lately. Uh, we believe if you look at the historic investment in HBCUs, if you look at what we're doing, uh, what we want to do in housing and all those other things, we are being intentional about helping the black community, the brown community, and uh, not leveling the playing fields, but actually bringing equity into it. So the more that we can uh, educate people on exactly what we're doing, uh, it's the more they know that elections actually have consequences that, uh, yeah, we got rid of the Muslim ban. Yes, we ended private prisons, all those things that we did uh, almost on day one to rectify the damage that Trump, uh, President Trump had done. 
they won't know about it but for you. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. Great. I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch, and uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks a lot. All right. All right, folks. Got to go to a break. We come back. First black winner of the National Spelling Bee. We'll show you who she is. She also got some basketball skills. We'll also talk about a Confederate statue. Bye-bye in Virginia. Also, black senior executives at Walmart, not happy with the company. All that's next on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Back in a moment. I believe that people our age have lost the ability to focus the, the discipline on the art of organizing. The challenges, there's so many of them and they're complex and we need to be moving to address them. But I'm able to say, watch out, Tiffany. I know this road. That is so freaking dope. <laughs> <laughs> Racial injustice is a scourge on this nation, and the black community has felt it for generations. We have an obligation to do something about it. Whether it's canceling student debt, increasing the minimum wage, or investing in black-owned businesses, the black community deserves so much better. I'm Nina Turner, and I'm running for Congress to do something about it seeing a non-constitutional filibuster being used to block constitutional voting rights and we can't stand for that and people all over the country are saying they want DRA, they want the For the People Act, they want living wages and they're tired. We can't separate this stuff. Voting rights, living wages, infrastructure. The same people are trying to block all of it together and we must stand up together. We need a season of non-violent direct action to deal with this and to change this nation. We must do more than just rally now because our democracy is being threatened and the question is which side are you on? That's how we won voting rights. That's how we're going to keep voting rights. This is a serious moment. This is not a small moment that we're in. If we got to sit in Senate offices, if we got to sit in the streets, we're not going to do an insurrection. We're going to do a resurrection. We're not going to do an insurrection. We're going to do active mobilization all across this country and in Washington, D.C. Some things you can't compromise on. We cannot fail in this moment. Hey, I'm Cupid, the mega of the Cupid Shuffle and the Wham Dance. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. If you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. That, that was uh, Queen Latifah, Remy Ma, and MC Light uh, at Essence. We're going to try to, we're going to fix that video. Not sure why uh, it is uh, causing uh, those problems, but we will definitely get it taken care of. Uh, folks, uh, let's uh, talk about uh, a couple of stories. One that really jumps out that uh, is kind of interesting, and that is uh, black employees at Walmart are making it perfectly clear they are not happy with the company. Bloomberg reported today an internal survey uh, where many high-ranking black employees would not recommend working for the 
world's largest company, while the country's largest employer has been vocal about recruiting a diverse workforce and spending millions of dollars toward advancing racial equity. Is black employees say they face barriers when trying to advance their careers, such as favoritism and internal politics. Black employees make up nearly 21% of Walmart's workforce, but only 12% of the black employees are on the managerial level and just 8% at the officer level. Um, Candace, I'll start with you. Last year, I actually spoke um, <clears throat> at Walmart, uh, at their uh, Bentonville headquarters uh, for their MLK program. Um, CEO Doug McMillan was there. Um, I got a chance to go to lunch uh, after that uh, with uh, a number of black executives. And the questions I raised to them then uh, were, um, you know, what, what are the numbers? Um, hmm. And really, when they talked about sort of the top tier positions, you never really had more than two. Uh, hmm. and, and we had a conversation about the kind of pressure that needed to be applied and making it perfectly clear, the, the opportunity that was there. Then, of course, you had the George Floyd uh, death in May, Walmart announced that they were going to um, uh, fund, spend $100 million over five years on, on issue dealing with race equity. But the thing that I keep saying to these companies, whether it's Walmart, whether it's ESPN, whether it's Disney, whether it's, I mean, we can on and on and on, that it's very easy to provide aid and scholarship mm -hmm. to folk you don't know. But if you cannot deal with your own house, that's really irrelevant. It's sort of like the people who say, uh, I want uh, to help black kids learn, but you won't yeah. help your nieces and nephews who can't read. Right. If you, you don't, don't take care of home, you ain't mm -hmm. got credibility going outside of home. Exactly. So the fact that Walmart is talking about how they sponsored the Essence Festival Sure, that sounds nice on paper, like you said, but we know, first of all, I'm surprised that there were two people in various positions when you talk to these uh, these big managers and giants at Walmart. Normally, there's O&O, one and only. There's a one and only person, right? And I'm sure that you've been that person along your career, too. I know I have, and probably everybody on this panel. So the, the bottom line is, like you said, what is happening behind closed doors? when we have managers that are hanging out with each other, um, you know, during cocktail hour and babysitting each other's kids and they're able to carpool at work. A lot happens outside of the office space and inside that apparently Walmart needs to look at. Because listen, the employees said, pay not so bad, benefits not so bad, but no, 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 I, I wouldn't work here. That wasn't even a mark or an indication. Um, in terms of I could stay here. The pay is good enough where I can stay here. They said it was it was okay, but I can't stay here and I can't recommend friends or family to be here. That is a big deal. They need to have an internal assessment as to what's going on, to why these 56, I believe, higher-ups said what they did so that they can correct it. Because it, it's not going to be corrected with, as you said, just giving scholarships or money to Essence. The thing here, um, Brittany, in, in, in the moment that we're in. And, and this is what I keep saying to black folks who are in these spaces. You ain't getting shit today. <laughs> so why are you going to be so quiet tomorrow? I mean, at, the, at, at some point, people have to understand that unless you call folks out, and look, and I get it, there are people, there are people who are afraid to lose their jobs, there are people 
who have kids in private school. They say, well, Roland, everybody can't be, and trust me, I've heard it my, all, all my whole career, Roland, everybody can't be as radical as you. You know, <laughs> we, we all can't do that. And I'm like, mm, and I'm and like, guess what? And y'all just gonna sit your ass and sit and be quiet, quiet and complain. And then what I can't stand uh, are those parking lot militants. Mm. The ones who talk a lot of trash in the parking lot uh, as you're walking to the car or leaving home. But then when you go back into the building the next day and it's time to speak up and you do so and you turn around and they're sitting here like, you know, um, uh, <laughs> and you're going like, yeah. At the end of the day, these companies are not going to change unless we have black people inside of them who are forcing the change. Absolutely, Roland. Um, I, I wish I wish that I could say I'm surprised with Walmart. And I think that anybody who knows anything about the retail giant um, knows that they're famous for all types of, you know, anti-union policies, you know, the use of foreign labor, child welfare issues are notorious for wage theft. So, um, one, I'm not surprised. You know, I, I think it's a reflection of what's going on even at the bottom, right? Our, our hourly workers are struggling and constantly talking about the issues that they're running in to at Walmart. So I'm also not surprised that we see that when it comes to the supervisors and black people in general. I mean, the very institution of Walmart is racist. Its business model is essentially racist, no matter how much, you know, uh, philanthropy they claim to do. So I I'm not surprised. And it's imperative that, you know, I hope everyone gets together and organizes against the chain, right? Because um, you're right. That's the only way that anything is going to change. You know, and, 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 I think, and the thing here is, my Michael, this ain't this ain't just Walmart. I mean, we could just sit here right. and just do a roll call of company after company after company after company after company mm -hmm. where they have these issues. And and and, and I and look, uh, Doug McMillan was a nice guy when I met him. Was very receptive uh, to what I had to say. And this this is actually what I said. In fact. Walmart was supposed to send me a copy of my speech, so let me tell my office. They never did. So uh, let me tell my office where my video. Um, but I, I, this is what I said to, and I spoke to all the Walmart employees worldwide. They were all by feet. This is what I said to them. Walmart, you by yourself can change America. First of all, do people realize that there are several daily flights from New, direct from New York to Bentonville, Arkansas? Hmm. Y'all. I ain't say, hell, you ain't got a lot of direct flights to Little Rock. <laughs> but the reason there are direct flights to Bentonville is because of Walmart. And Tyson Foods is down the street. So the reality is Walmart shifts industries. Companies like Amazon shifts industries. That's right. Procter & Gamble shifts industries. Apple shifts industries. And so what I said to Walmart with the CEO Dublin Miller sitting right there is that if you make a decision that this is what we're going to do when it comes to diversity. This is what we're going to do when it comes to advertising with black media. This is what we're going to do when it comes to contracts with black owned companies. You can alter the entire industry if you then say, and if any of y'all doing business with us, 
can't match us, you can't do business with us. That is how right. you change the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have to renegotiate our relationship with corporate America, brother. I I'm not surprised with Walmart, and I, I was just about to say, we have to do this with corporations uh, uh, across the spectrum that we spend dollars with. Now, this is connected to the protests uh, of uh, summer 2020, the George Floyd Black Lives Matter protests, when all these corporations came out and they said, we're going to pledge this amount of money, that amount of money, things like this. How did you change internally OK, and how are you treating African-American employees? But the other question I would ask for ask Walmart and all these other corporations, uh, why are you so silent now on these voter suppression bills as they're passing? It's like about tw uh, uh, over 20 have passed uh, state uh, legislatures. Uh, 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 no, no, no. Oh, see, see, this is like here's, here's my whole deal. Follow me here. Follow me here. OK, that's a separate issue. See, he, 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 let me tell you why I'm separating them. Okay? OK, the reason I'm separating them it's because mm -hmm. that gives the company an out. Mm -mm. Mm. I want to deal with the money. Yeah, I agree. See, the re cause, no, cause here's the deal. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them, they want us to have that conversation. Mm. See, see, let me, let me, let me, let me unpack that. And, okay. and this is, let me unpack that. And I want everybody who's listening, people who are watching it and, and listening to the podcast, to understand this. America wants us talking about criminal justice reform, voting rights, mass incarceration. They actually are fine with that. Not when we talk about the money. Because see, right. what we're talking about over here, Michael, with these senior executives, we're now talking company shares we're mm -hmm. now talking we're now we're now talking actual the ability to create wealth we're now sure. talking about high six seven and eight figure salaries now we're talking about not just one or two i'm talking five ten fifteen twenty folks up and down the chain folks on the officer level director mm -hmm. level senior executive level, junior executive level, and all throughout. Because see, now right. what the, see, 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 again, if to, and here, we, we should, black voters matter, group, the groups should be challenging them on that. Right. But we also gotta be real clear when we're dealing with the money. Because mm -hmm. if we I let agree. them off the hook on, with the money, and mm. only focus on those things, then right. we're in the same situation. Everything King was doing really from 60, after 63 was about the money. money. Mm -hmm. What happened right. was black people, actually, we were so heavily tilted to politics that we didn't focus on the money. This right. complaint Robbery. here about from the black employees, these, this is not a survey of all black employees. This survey that, that Bloomberg got their hand on was 56 senior black executives. Mm -hmm. That's a money conversation. Oh, I, I agree. As, as somebody that graduated from Wayne State University's business school, I totally agree. It's about the money as well. And, and, and when we had that conversation about the money, in addition to that, conversation about contracts that these corporations, including Walmart, have. 
contracts for janitorial services, contracts for advertising, all that, because that deals with African-American-owned businesses, contracts for advertising on Roland Martin Unfiltered. That deals with African-American-owned businesses that are allowed to grow Okay, because they have contracts with these corporations as well. That's another conversation dealing with the money as well. So I, I totally agree with you. We have to have multiple conversations. Yeah. I'm, I, so I think what what now now according to Walmart, uh, this was a preliminary deal. There were several affinity groups they have there. Mm -hmm. uh, they have ongoing conversations. Uh, and 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 the, but and the thing here, uh, and, I, and I, it was it was very interesting because. You know, when, when we had that lunch, a lot of them black employees were like, damn, this bro is like really radical. And I'm like, <laughs> hello? See, yep. hello? I've been there. <laughs> I mean, again, my, my, my whole deal is when, I, when, I, when, when, when these companies ask, invite me to speak, I don't change my message. Right. I don't change my tone. I'm real clear. If you go invite me, you're gonna get me. And I'm gonna say, and, and, and what I also do is I challenge black senior executives to say, hell, y'all can't be quiet. Cause right. if y'all quiet, we know that brother in the mail room <laughs> and that and that sister on the dock, we know she gonna be quiet. That's right. And what also, and, and see, right now, right now, Candace, where I am on this thing is. You got black people sitting on boards to direct us. They has got to say something. Here we are out here demanding these companies spend more with black-owned media. I need the black people sitting on the board at Pepsi to say something. I need the black people sitting on the board at McDonald's, sitting on the board uh, at uh, Apple, the black folks sitting on the board at Square. We could go on and on saying something. You ain't there just so you can get some stock options and get some cash. You supposed to be there representing more than just you. You can't not say something now. Monday is not going to be the same. Monday shouldn't be the same in terms of now that this report is out, what is the next step? The power is in the hands of those 56 men and women who are in those positions and let it trickle down, like you said. Let them see what you're doing at the top. They're at the top of the top, not the top top where most of the white men are. But for those who are at the top of their game internally there at Walmart, they have to do something, and it will trickle down. They've got all the power. We're talking about it here tonight. They've got the power tonight, so Monday's got to look different. They and, have uh, to hold Walmart accountable. And, and Brittany, I just want y'all go to my computer. I just want to show y'all. This is this, their website. This is the executive management team of Walmart. Doug McMillan, president CEO, Dan Bartlett, executive vice president. Uh, and you go down here, uh, and you see uh, on this team, I mean, in terms of you get down to uh, Kelvin uh, Buncombe, executive vice president, neighborhood markets, Walmart. Uh, let's see, I'm looking for somebody else black. Uh, ben Hassan is a senior vice president and global chief culture, diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. But again, what I'm looking for, let me tell you what I look for, y'all, when I talk about corporate America, I look for people who have P&L responsibility. I, I met Ben, great guy, but Ben don't have P&L responsibility. I'm talking other positions do. You go down here, you keep going, you keep going. Dr. Cheryl Pegas, Executive Vice President, Health and Wellness. Uh, nice position, that's not a P&L response po position. Follow me here. 
Dakona Smith, Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer, Walmart U.S. That's a P&L uh, position. Latrice Watkins, Executive Vice President, Consumables, Walmart U.S. Uh, and so this is the, so what you have on the executive management at Walmart. You got two black women. You got uh, three black men out of uh, nine... 12, 15, 18, 21, 24, 27, 30, 33, 36, 39, 42, 45, 48. That's what you have. And then you have the board of directors. Uh, I know Carla Harris. She's vice chair of wealth management uh, at, uh, at Morgan Stanley. Uh, I, I know her well. Uh, and, and, but this is where, yo, and look, Marisa Mayer used to be over at Yahoo. Randall Stevenson was over at AT&T. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, Cesar Conde, uh, chairman of NBC Universal on the board. I'm sorry, I, I, Sarah Fryer, CEO of Nextdoor. In fact, we're launching some, we're launching an initiative uh, with Nextdoor beginning on uh, next Tuesday. This is where we need corporate board officers to be challenging and demanding, Brittany. Change, not slowly, far more quicker. So I really hope, Brittany, that Walmart senior executives really listen to what these black senior employees, and in fact, one of the black employees said, Are the, is the pay great? Yes, the benefits great, but they actually said they would not recommend any other black executive come to Walmart. That's a damning statement right. for a company, for your senior black, for a senior black executive to say, I ain't recommending nobody come here. That that that's serious. That's a serious problem, right? Um, and I think I think it's very telling to see what Walmart decides to do with that information. We know Walmart is worth three hundred and eighty-six billion, not really billion, right? There, the company as a whole has more money than any of us would know what to do with. Right, all of their top executives are are paid well. There's no reason why black folks should not be happy there. I mean, that's that that's scary, Roland. Um, so I do hope, like you said, that both the board of directors, um, it, as well as those high end black executives, work to change, continue to work. Because I'm sure they've done something. I'm hoping, but continue to change the culture there. Because the reality is, Walmart is a large employer of black people, of people of color, of working class people. Right? We are the people that are making their business run, and they are worth again 386 billion dollars. Change can be made and change can be made right now. There's no there's nothing stopping these people from making those necessary changes. Uh, and again, this and this is a, a Bloomberg report uh, that came out. And let me say it again. This is not exclusive to Walmart. It is company right. after company. That's right. And, and my challenge and again, National Association of Black Journalists, you know, we sent a letter requesting a meeting with Disney executives and, and, and ESPN over the whole Maria Taylor issue and some other issues. And I've been saying the same thing. You got culture issues. And when you have culture issues, you got to address your culture issues. And we're seeing this in company after company. And so hopefully we see uh, this happen. Got to go to a break. We come back, folks. Uh, we're going to talk about um, a sister. First to win the National Spelling Bee uh, next on Roller Mart Unfiltered. White supremacy ain't just about hurting black folk. Right. You got to deal with it. It's injustice. It's wrong. I do feel like in this generation, we've got to do more around being intentional and resolving conflict. You and I have always agreed. Yeah. But we agree on 
the big piece. Yeah. Our conflict is not about destruction. Conflict's going to happen. Hello, I'm Nina Turner. My grandmother used to say, all you need in life are three bones. The wishbone to keep you dreaming, the jawbone to help you speak truth to power, and the backbone to keep you standing through it all. I'm running for Congress because together we will deliver Medicare for all. Good jobs that pay a living wage and bold justice reform. I'm Nina Turner, and I approve this message. I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Folks, in Charlottesville, Virginia, two Confederate monuments will come down on tomorrow. That's right, the removal of Confederate Generals Robert E. Lee and Thomas Stonewall Jackson will be open to the public, and the city has set up designated public viewing areas. The city council decision to remove the monuments comes five years after the initial petition by Zayana Bryant. A year later, the city council voted to remove the statues, and white nationalists responded by marching through Charlottesville during the Unite the Right rally. The two statues will be stored in a secure location on city property until the council decides what to do with them. I say you just blow them up. What the hell? They really serve no purpose. <laughs> just blow them up. All right, y'all. Uh, yeah, I, you know, what I, look, again, and, and for all the white folks out there who, would try, who want their statues, fine. Put one in your house, but it does not need to be on the city grounds. And let me also be clear, there's one party that is supportive uh, of support of these uh, statues, uh, and that's the Republican Party. That's who you see uh, doing this. All right, folks, I love this story. In Tennessee, the Knoxville Police Department has launched an internal investigation into an off-duty officer knocked unconscious for allegedly making racist remarks. You got your ass knocked out. While attending a wedding reception, Officer Tanner Holt reportedly told a black man there he didn't know they let black people in the reception hall. Witnesses say Holt continued to badger the brother with racist comments. After repeated pleas with Holt to stop, the black man knocked his punk ass out, unconscious. Holt was transported to UT Medical Center for treatment. No charges have been filed in the incident, and the Knoxville Police Department has not stated if, it, if or when Holt will return to duty. See? Yeah. Look. We trying to chill, Brittany. <laughs> I, listen, Rose, I bet you he won't say no foolishness like that again. I bet you he won't try right. that again. <laughs> he, I, he got what was coming to him. He I'm just, hey, hey, I keep, I keep warning these white people, Michael. Y'all mm -hmm. need to stop rolling. I'm telling, what do I, what have I always say? Y'all gonna roll up on the wrong brother at mm. the wrong time and gonna get your ass knocked out. Right. Well, you know, brother, you know, he was blue before this. Now he's black and blue. They, they've been listening to Donald Trump too much. They've been sitting up here drinking the Kool-Aid and they think they can just say whatever. And yeah, you know, you, you, you know, you, you were campaigning for an ass whooping and you just got elected. That's what happened. Mm. Simple as that, Candace. I, I keep, I mean, look, we see all these videos of people keep accosting people. I'm telling you, they, 
all of these people, they are lucky black people have lots of patience. Yes, listen, look, I'm sure you talked about Mount Laurel, right? I'm in New Jersey, Mount Laurel, New Jersey. That man was so patient at the door. But this happened totally different. He's going to have some harassment and intimidation charges against him. It's not, it is going to be some charges on his side, too. But let's make sure those harassment and intimidation charges get stuck on that officer first. Oh, same. Yeah, well, yeah, the dude, well, dude in New Jersey, oh, yeah, he, he learned a real Patience. valuable lesson. Real yes. valuable. Now, now yes. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, dog, you want to keep, you just keep talking that trash. And then he was just so dumb, he gave his address out. Yes. <laughs> like, and then said right. he was drinking. Said, Blamed yeah. it on drinking yeah. when he already had a history of harassing people already hey. that wasn't related to drinking. None hey. of it made sense. Hey, you can sit and try to blame that on drinking all you want to. All I know is, it, it, we, we, look, he got exactly what was coming to him. All right, y'all, let's talk about this uh, feel-good story. Uh, a sister out of Louisiana makes history as the first black winner of the Scripps National Spelling Bee. Check out 14-year-old Zalia Avant-Garde's winning moment. Maria, M-U-R-R-A-Y-A. That is correct. <laughs> The holder of three Guinness World Records and now the 2021 Scripps National Spelling Bee winner. Now, before claiming the Scripps crown, Avant-Garde won the 2020 Kaplan Hexco online spelling bee. She used that $10,000 prize on study materials and $130 an hour sessions with a private tutor. Y'all, she's... Yo, I was reading the story, and she talked about actually doing spelling words seven hours a day. Mm. This is what she said. Spelling is really a side thing I do. Seven hours a day? It's like a little hors d'oeuvre. Basketball is like the main dish. All right, so her basketball skills have been uh, all over. She holds three Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, she has this unicycle dribble. Uh, so check this out, y'all. So uh, she is amazing with the basketball. As I said, ESPNW spoke with her about her superb accomplishments. Uh, here's what uh, she told ESPN. My name is Zaila Avakara, and I'm 14 years old. So I have a Guinness World Record for most bounce juggles in one minute with four basketballs. Don't remember the number, but it's a lot. Then I have one for most dribbles in 30 seconds with four basketballs. The main one I have, which is like the crowning achievement of all basketball Guinness World Records, is the most basketballs dribbled in one minute simultaneously, which is six balls. For my 13th birthday, I decided that I wanted to celebrate becoming a teenager to uh, do a Guinness World Record. I don't know, it was just kind of like just rapid succession. I couldn't just stay doing one thing for forever. So you just keep going and going. <laughs> All right, y'all, uh, that's, uh, that's an amazing story. Uh, great smile there. And uh, man, really, really, Candace, a bas uh, uh, spelling <laughs> is, a, is a side thing. She spends seven right. hours a day spelling words. You know what? That's what it takes to be great and excellent and number one at something. What I love most about this story is that one day her father was just watching the spelling bee and said, 
hey, can you spell this word here? And she spelled it and kept spelling it and kept spelling it. And that's what happens when you expose young people to things that they never thought they could have done. I mean, no, we don't go around, you know, doing fencing, a lot of horseback riding, but expose them to it, it may just take. She wasn't talking about spelling. She was talking about basketballs. He asked a question, opened a whole new avenue, and that's why we're here. What I love about this most, really quick, though, is that when you put her name in Google, I'm sure you found this out, confetti comes down on your computer screen, and the word that she spelled right is flipping all around. So more power to Google for that move. It just made me happy to see that just by putting her name in the Google search, everybody do it. You'll get confetti all down in your computer screen. And, of course, uh, you see our lower third there, uh, Brittany. She hopes to play in the WNBA if she doesn't go to work for NASA. Right. Wow. She's got wow. options. She Right. <laughs> she is the epitome of black girl magic in all of the ways, right? And it just goes to show you, you know... <laughs> You, typically, when you think of people being a master at something, you don't expect them to also be very powerful and successful in a bunch of other spaces. And I think that's what makes this young lady so very, very, very special and really just um, a representative to all of us of the things that we can accomplish if we put our minds to it. So I do hope to see her hopefully at NASA and, and if she makes an appearance with the WNBA because her ball handling skills clearly are a match. I saw mm. I saw that dribbling and that jump shot. <laughs> uh, of course, yeah, uh, Michael, uh, her Guinness yes. Book of World Records, most balls juggled in one minute with four basketballs, most dribbles in 30 seconds with four basketballs, most basketballs dribbled by one person simultaneously, which is six. Yeah, she, you know, she's brilliant, man. I posted a video uh, of her on uh, the African History Network fan page today, and people are going crazy. She's in a commercial with uh, 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 Stephen Curry uh, as well. But one of the most amazing things, man, she's 14, but she only started competitive spelling at 12 years old, Okay. And, and, you know, yeah, her, her father saw something in her and uh, uh, saw that she had a knack for spelling as well as arithmetic. And she also has a coach, but I, 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 who um, she has a coach as well, a 20-year-old college student uh, who's a, a former uh, comp competitive speller as well. But what's really important is all of our children have potential like this if they have the right tutelage, the right coaching, the right support, the right love. Okay, all of our children have this genius in them. They just need the right teachers and right support to bring it out of them. So this is this is a fantastic story. She's the epitome of, of black girl magic. Uh, Kiki Palmer, of course, who starred in the movie Aquila and the Bee. This is what she tweeted out. Uh, she tweeted, "Go ahead and show it, please." Uh, see, y'all see it right there. Uh, the yep. real life Aquila. Uh, you guys, uh, so it's so, so a great, great uh, post there from uh, from Kiki Palmer. Uh, this also is a mm. tweet that uh, sent out. Uh, first of all, that was an Instagram post from Kiki Palmer. This is a tweet that was sent out by my frat brother, Dr. Walter Kimbrough, who is the president of HBCU, Dillard University in Louisiana. He says, this is awesome. Now, let me run her this scholarship. So uh, he's already uh, trying to make sure that she goes uh, to Dillard. So uh, wait, wait mm. to jump on that thing real quick, uh, Dr. Kimbrough. <laughs> Uh, Candace, uh, Brittany, and Michael, we surely appreciate it. Thank you so very much uh, for joining us uh, on the panel on this Friday. Folks, uh, we were trying to play earlier the uh, uh, the uh, throwback video, if you will, uh, when uh, Queen Latifah called out uh, MC Light as well as Remy Ma at Essence Festival. Uh, now we got it straight. Let's go ahead and check that out.
Uh, and so we wanted to close the show out this Friday with a little fun. I mean, we love music here as well. Uh, how about when Teddy Riley brought out Dougie Fresh, the human beatbox, and Dougie did his thing on the stage. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and show you all that. Uh, it is uh, it's always great to see my man Dougie Fresh when he hits the stage. And so we're going to play that. We'll end the show as well with our Bring the Funk fan club. Y'all know how to support us. Joining our Bring the Funk fan club, cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered, paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered, venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingasmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. And so just to end us on a great note, if y'all actually want to see also the replay of the Essence Festival, 2021 virtual festival, go to EssenceStudios.com, Essence.com. We want to thank Coca-Cola for being a sponsor, uh, being a partner with us. And so we're going to close this Friday out with my man, Dougie Fresh, Teddy Riley.
BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. I'm late, I'm late. 
Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider.